We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. Brother Brian Emerson led us right up to this message uh, already talking about uh, what our focus is on, and uh, so that works real real well with what we're about to do are you ready will you receive the word if it's the word all right we're going to leave here better than we came i declare that in jesus name we're going to the book of joshua very exciting book Uh, those of you that don't or haven't maybe don't know old testament joshua was a very very key player in the book if you will key factor a great man took up the mantle from Moses after coming out of uh, Egyptian bondage. He's just a pretty incredible guy. We're going to go to the sixth chapter. We'll just read one verse. That'll be verse number 10. Joshua 6 and verse number 10. And Joshua had commanded the people saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice. That'd be hard already, wouldn't it? Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then shall you shout. Let's let's get this straight now. The Lord spoke to Joshua, told the people, until I tell you to shout, don't speak another word. Don't even speak another word until I tell you to shout. So I want to preach for just a few moments here today on this thought. Don't talk about it before you shout about it. Don't talk about it. He said, don't say a word until I tell you to shout. Don't talk about it until you shout about it. Look at your neighbor and tell them that. Say, don't talk about it until you shout about it. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for bringing us together here today, such a beautiful crowd. Ask you to bless us and touch us and move us with your spirit. Let us hear it and understand it and respond to it. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on with a shout. Give the Lord a great amen if you believe that. Come on, praise him for a few moments. Let's set the environment for the preaching. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The setting here, and I'll just give it in case you are uh, not a reader or don't recall the story or just haven't ever heard it yet. The setting is the children of God have just come across uh, the dry ground beneath the Jordan River. They're fresh off of a miracle. You know, a lot of times when the enemy punches us the best is when we're fresh off of a miracle. Because you can come in on a Sunday and have an explosive environment where the Spirit is moving. And then you come back on Wednesday, kind of like what was talked about this morning, or the following Sunday. And it's not the same environment and you wonder what's wrong. Nothing's wrong. You're just not in the mode you were in when you had a miracle. You're not in the place spiritually that you were when you had. I feel a little bit of, of, of Thanksgiving hangover here today. 
I can tell that this Sunday is not last Sunday. Amen. You can, you can just feel it. But that's going to change if you want it to. That's going to change. That's going to be all up to you. So the setting is they've just come across the river on dry ground. They're fresh off this miracle. Moses has died. He's led the children out of Egypt now uh, some 40 years earlier. And uh, Joshua is now their leader. And he, he's, he's ready uh, for them to have land of their own. They've been promised this Canaan land for all of this time and uh, they just want to get to it and they've already went across a sea where the Lord's done a miracle. They've gone across, uh, they've had to fight battles they weren't prepared to fight. They've gone across a river. There's a lot of things that happen just to get them to this point. Now suddenly here they are in our setting. The only thing between them now and the promised land is, uh, which is called Canaan land, a land that flows with milk and honey and has so many wonderful things, is this military outpost where there are some people that live, but by the size of it, it's, it's clearly not a uh, metropolis, a, a big uh, sprawling area with a lot of people, but many historians and theologians say that uh, more than anything, Jericho may have very well been more of a military outpost where there were uh, just a, a few people compared to other cities. But I, I do want you to know there were plenty of people there. There were plenty of jewels. There were plenty of family there. There was a lot of things going on there. But it had a purpose. It was situated uh, at the crossroads. It was at a four-way stop in life. Watch this. Jericho was at a four-way stop. So when you get there, you can go north, south, east, or west, but there's no roads except to go through there. It's the only way you're going to take millions of people. You're going to have to deal with this city. You're going to have to deal with uh, the, the people that have gone on before. You're going to have to go through this place called Jericho before you can have Canaan. The problem is Jericho is fortified. It's got a military uh, mounted there. It's got uh, great walls. It's a great location. It's a place where uh, control can be had right there at Jericho. And so uh, there's always been some debate about how things are measured and how things are converted from, uh, from old uh, Bible to New Testament and then even to modern English. But if you study uh, the history on it, you'll have some theologians and historians say the walls were 65 feet tall. Now that's not what I get out of the Bible. And uh, other places say that the walls were 25 feet thick. I, I don't get that either. Uh, but what I do believe is the most accurate thing that I can find according to scripture and all other equations is the walls were somewhere around 26 feet tall. That would be uh, a good a good size wall. As short in places, going with the ground, is 13 feet. And then somewhere around 12 feet thick. We do know that it was wide enough for two war chariots to pass one another while they were riding around and around the top of this wall. So just imagine this two-lane interstate all the way around the city. And they can have their, their fighter chariots riding around, one going one way, one going the other way on their regular rotations to see what's going on. No matter what, these were big walls. That's what I'm trying to get to. 
no matter what, these are big walls. And so when they get to this place, when they get to this crossroad, when they get to this, something has to happen. Something has to change. They've either got to go over it, they've got to go under it, they've got to go through it, but they can't go around it because it's not prepared for that kind of travel. They can't just skirt around it. The Lord don't let us skirt around a lot of things in our life because we lose our testimony if He just lets us avoid every problem in the way. We, we don't have anything to look back on when we run into something serious. What, what do we look back on? I mean, what, what is it that God has brought us from? I just heard a, a recent story on, uh, I think it was on the radio, and uh, I was listening, and, and it made perfect sense. When, when you go, come off the interstate going to our home, we live south of, of Terrell a couple of miles, and as you're going to, to our home, it comes down to when you take the exit off Interstate 20, there's a four-way stop there. Well, there's a, there's a crossroads there, but it's only a two-way stop. And so... I don't even know how many times I've come through and people think it's a four-way stop so the ones coming off the interstate just blow through. Over and over it happens all the time. So I'm always paying close attention there. And so with that in mind, I heard this uh, report from someone. I, I wish I would have chronicled it and kept up with it. So if there's any debate, I could tell you where I got my information. But I just heard it. And they said, there's more accidents, more deaths, and more problems at four-way intersections than anywhere else in the nation. Makes sense. There's more wrecks at a four-way intersection than there is on a two-lane highway. And then the, it goes on to say, people get lost at a four-way. I, I was out last night out by Academy just riding around, just trying to get out of the house. And Missy and I gotten out for just a little while and, and just more than anything bored. And have you ever seen people get caught in, in a traffic circle? You know, they got them all over Colorado and New Mexico. And, and when you go up there, you know, anywhere you travel, you know, it, it's common. And it says, second turn, go here and for. Well, in Terrell, it don't tell you where you're going. They just assume everybody's local. And so you get on that turn, and if you watch long enough, you'll see somebody go. And I can hear her telling him, you knucklehead, turn. Well, there's three exits, one circle, and it don't say nothing anywhere. Well, don't you see the interstate over there? I mean, can't you hear it? So there you are. These people are going around and around and around. You know why? Because when you come to a place where four roads cross, if you don't have direction, and so here they are. They've never been here before. They're, 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 they're at a town. They're, they're at a place now that, that they're going to have to get through. They're going to have to conquer somehow. They're not going to be able to make a deal. They're not, they're not going to be able to buy their way out of this. They need a miracle to get to where they're going. They don't have any street signs. All they've got is big walls with war chariots sitting on the top just saying, come on. And so here they are. They are at a place they've got to make 
uh, a decision. The thoughts of how are we going to do this? Who's going to lead us through this? We've got this fairly new leader now. We've followed Moses all this time, but now we've got this this leader and and the what and the when and the how and and you can know that the fear is there and and the walls are high and the walls are thick and the city is protected it's it's fortified it's covered with military uniform soldiers and so all of a sudden here's what happens in Joshua 5 and 13 it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold There stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went up unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as a captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. I want to ask you a question. What made that place holy? It belonged to the enemy. It's a war zone. It's a military town. It's a military base. It's Fort Bliss or Fort Knox or whatever you want to call it. There it is. And you're sitting here and you're saying, what makes this place holy? So I begin to look because I know that holy means something that's fully dedicated to God. It's how we know we are living our best holy life. Is when every portion of our life is fully dedicated to Him, belongs to Him. Right here it means sacred and set apart for a purpose. Here's why He told him, take your shoe off. Notice He didn't say shoes. It's a singular word. It's not both shoes. There's a couple of things. There's a couple of old connections. I'll give you one. When a man died and, and he didn't have any sons, any, they'd call him a man child uh, with his wife, then his brother would have to come in to keep the family lineage going on. He would have to take her as a wife. But to do that, he would have to take one of his shoes off. He's not the man of the house. He don't own the house. It's not his place. He's doing the job to keep the family going. So he takes a shoe off and he goes to that woman until there is a man to carry on his son's name. That is an Old Testament concept and idea and and law and rule. And so it is right here that he says take one of your shoes off. But why does he tell him to take it off? Here's why. Because you got to remember they've been walking for 40 years around the same old problems. The Bible said they stayed in the same sandals for 40 years. Their feet grew but so did their sandals. Here's the problem. You got 40 years worth of junk and dirt and failed what you think is promises built up in your walk underneath your feet. The things that are directing you now are things that bothered you yesterday. And the Lord looks at Joshua and he says here's what you got to do. You got to know that you're going to reproduce beyond this point and you're going to pull this shoe off and let down that old dirt from that old mountain experience where you've been going around in circles all these years and I'm going to do something new for you right here. This place is holy. 
I want to preach to somebody for the next few moments here today that you've been in the same old rut for a long, long time. It's time for you to declare your life, your family, your home, your speech, your actions, your church, every song you sing, everything you do, declare it holy. Sister Beckham, we won't be long. Watch this right here. The struggle of the past is the victory of the future. Don't curse yourself living in the past. This place the Lord has brought you to is holy. Miracles are about to happen. He says, Joshua, something special is about to happen here. Oh, I like it when God declares things holy. Watch this. In 6, back to chapter 6 and 1 through 5. Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. And you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do for six days. Did you got that? Every day for six days. Go around one time. And seven, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall flat. And the people shall ascend upon every man straight before him. Here's what we see. When we look at these walls, every brick means something else. Every block means something else. We got a block of fear. And then we got a block of pain. And we got a block of divorce. And a block of financial calamity. And a block of death. And a block of legal stress. And everything we look at. And we want to continue looking at it. And talking about it. And thinking about it. And speaking on it and the Lord said to him he said you tell those people don't say one word about that wall until I tell them they can shout See, here's what hell wants to do. He wants us to focus on what we've lost. He wants us to focus on what's wrong. He wants us to focus on the financial situation, the family situation. And the Lord is saying, quit talking about it until after you shout about it. The more you talk about it, the bigger the wall gets. The more credit you give it, the longer it is around the wall, the higher it stands, the thicker it is, the greater it is, Quit talking about it. He got so serious about that wall, he told them to shut their mouth and don't say a word until somebody told them to shout in victory. Can you imagine? You're not allowed to speak for six days and for seven days. Because it's the law, it's a decree. It's been stated by the leader that God has placed in their life. And here, here's what, it, it happens so many times. We, we come to church. Now watch, watch, watch. We've all done it. I've been the worst at times. But we come to church and, and this wall of whatever. It's a wall of addiction. It's a wall of problems. It, it's a wall of what if-isms. What could have been? What should have been? What may be? 
It's a wall and we get to looking at it and we know we, we can't find our direction until we get past this. We, 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 we're not going to arrive in, in heaven or in Canaan land of that day until we get past this. But when I look, all I can see is this magnificent wall standing in front of me that the enemy of my soul has built. And all he wants to do is destroy me. So when I focus on the problem, the Lord knows how the human mind works. And he says, don't speak of it. Don't say nothing about it. What I want you to do is wait until it's time to have some church because when we focus on the problems we have a hard time focusing on God we make the wall so big that God is invisible I want somebody to hear me right now there's some walls in front of you that are between you and your miracle and you keep giving them too much credit you keep talking about them you keep allowing them to keep fear in your heart and stir up problems in your home and the Lord's saying today quit talking about it you just need a good old shout in the Holy Ghost then you can talk about it cause after you shout you'll have a new perspective see when the walls are gone you see clearly when the walls are gone and the enemy is dead you see clearly when the enemy is removed out of your life you see clearly what has you stuck in that roundabout once you find some direction you can see clearly but we've got to quit talking about the walls that are keeping us from our victory and start shouting about what God wants us to do when we shout the walls come down when we talk about the walls they get thicker, taller, wider, stronger, meaner come on somebody hear me on this Sunday after Thanksgiving you had family drama this last few days there was some tension in some of your houses quit talking about it just start shouting unto the Lord he will break and it came to pass on the seventh day they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times only on that day they compassed the city seven times and it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets Joshua said unto the people shout for the Lord hath given you the city let me show you what Joshua done right here he used a little psychology on these people cause if you've been told you can't say a word There's something bubbling up in you that's about to say something. Don't you, I'll never forget my teacher saying, don't you say a word. And it was at that point I needed to say something worse than ever. You know why? That's how the human brain works. That's how we operate. We're, we're wired naturally to go against the grain. It's why we've got to become a new man. We're, we're wired like the first man, Adam, not by, like the second man, Jesus, until we have him in our heart and in our life and leading us. We're wired like that first man that, that before there's any real sin and, and problems out there can fail God. We're wired that way. Don't you do this. It's the only thing I want to do. Can't you imagine that day in the garden? The only thing they wanted to eat was the one thing that he told them they couldn't have. You can have everything else on this world. You name it. You, you call it what you want to call it. You dress it. You keep it upright. You, you keep it up clean. You tend to the garden and you can have everything here. But don't you touch that one in a hundred million plants or I'm going I'm to cause you to go out of here 
And your sin's going to cause death to come on every generation following you. But Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. I came to give new life to the old man. Oh, some of you, some of you not hear me. See, here's what happened. You're doing plenty of talking at home. You're arguing and cussing and fussing and throwing stuff and showing out and spinning dirt when you leave. And oh, I'm, I'm being preached looking at the ceiling. I know this don't apply to you. Grabbing the kids by the arm, sling them around, act a fool, text people, do stuff you... Just act crazy. And the Lord's just saying, if you would just, I'm going to be kind because some of you tell your children don't say these words. If you just hush and wait until it's time to shout, I will deal with the issues you want to talk about. See, some of y'all, if you didn't have drama, you wouldn't have anything. I'm going to tell you something. If you'd quit worrying about who's who and who's where, uh, mm, I'm fixing to preach right here. If you'd quit worrying about what they're doing and tend to your own soul before you're lost and go to hell, you'd be saved at the end of the day. Your walls would come down if you just let them walk their road. Sometimes we just got to talk. Hey, I know you won't tell anybody, but I just got to get this off my chest. And that person says, oh, I know you won't tell anybody. I got to get this off my chest. Just know everybody's got a friend. And before it's all over with, it's not even the right story. And it gets out and it's a whole lot worse than it was ever made up to be. They're going to get over it. You're going to be on the outside. I, I, I perceive Brother Jamie and Sister Rima to have a, a great marriage. So I'm going to just pick on them for a few moments. Can I? Might not be looking at them, huh? Everybody else said it was fine. <laughs> so here's what happens, okay? They get in a spat. All right, you ready? Here we go. Now, this didn't happen. Didn't happen. So, so they get in a spat. And he picks up the phone and calls one of his brothers over here and says, well, I tell you what, I don't know what I'm going to do with this woman. She is running me bonkers. She gets on the phone. And she calls somebody that she can really trust. Hey, got to tell you something. Jamie, if, if something will happen, I'm going to kill him. Y'all going to be visiting me through a glass if something don't change. And everybody draws sides and draws opinions. And there's a big division. And then tonight, she winks at him. And everything changes but you. See, they made it right in the moment. And everybody else, it takes a year or two to figure out everything's even okay. Come on. The only one on the outside of the truth is you because they made it up. They're not going to call and tell you all the intimate details of how that worked out. 
Yeah, he come over and hugged me and put some sugars on me. Oh, everything is so awesome. Bought me a bouquet of flowers. I bought him a new necktie. You know, whatever, whatever. And everybody else is wondering what in the thunder's going on at their house. They must be falling apart. And the whole time, they're more in love than they've ever been. What is that? That's focusing on the wall in front of you when you ought to just be shouting over the victory of what God's done. Quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. Quit worrying about their house and their marriage and their children and their finances and you take care of you. Well, quit talking about it until you can shout about it. Verse 20, so the people shouted. When the priest blew with the trumpets and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city every man straight before him and they took the city and utterly destroyed all that was in the city both men, women, young and old ox, sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. Somebody hear me right now. The Lord is wanting to tear some things down for you but you keep talking Talking about it. Well, I laid that on the altar. Why are you still talking about it? I, I, why are you still gossiping about it? I don't know what's got me in this vein. Just let me be here. Maybe it's because it's the holidays and I know what happens at holidays. People get together and, and, and the new wife or the new girlfriend and, and it's something weird. Somebody didn't like something or, some, you know, and you leave there all puffed up and it ruins your whole year. Grow up. Get the Holy Ghost. Quit talking about everything until you can shout. Don't talk no more. It worked in the Old Testament. It'll work in the New. Joshua said, until you can shout about this city being destroyed, don't say one single word about it. It's easy to complain. It's a lot harder to shout. The Lord wants us, I'm done, sister. The Lord wants us to get past the talking to a point where he just says, just be quiet. Don't say nothing. You just walk your walk. And when you get in the environment where the music's playing and the choir director says, let's do this thing, it's then that you shout. I propose to you that if they'd have talked for six days, they'd have never got past a roundabout. But nobody said a word for six days. Pretty hard. Kids get out of line. Husband didn't do it just right. Don't say it. Wait until you can shout about it. Wait someday and look back and tell them what you thought you were going to say. You remember that one day? Oh, I was just getting ready to slap your jaws. Well, it's a good thing you didn't because now we're shouting together. Come on. There's too many people that look at the walls, just when you read, and they look at depression and oppression. Mama left me. Daddy left me. I never knew this one. I was raised by this. I, I was tr- 
treated this way and I was treated this way and, and, and you know there's promise over there and all you can see is this wall and you're just reading all the, all the problems and all the, the wall is talking to you I'm your past sin I'm your past addiction I'm your past problem I'm alcoholism I'm drug addiction I'm arrest report I'm come on you know how you treated those children. You know how you spoke to your husband. You know how you spoke to your wife. And it's so easy to get caught up in being worried about the wall. The whole time the Lord is saying, if you'll just be quiet, just, just keep your mouth shut and give me one week, every bit of this will collapse. what if it don't turn out the way I want it to just let the brick fall the way the Lord wants them to fall if his spirit tears the wall down it'll fall right I propose to you if they'd have got their largest jackhammer their largest cannons their greatest of everything that they could do the, the, the fastest meanest heaviest projectile they, they would have spent a lifetime trying to tear a wall down all it was going to take is one good shout you can come to church for the rest of your life and keep talking about what's wrong and die with all that still wrong miserable discouraged depressed oppressed down and out and worried and bothered and die that way what a way to die what a way what a way to wait on the rapture just always complaining for for a number of years I, I know I know Missy got here is tired of hearing it but for a number of years, I'd step out of bed. And it wasn't a matter of if I was going to say it or not. It was a matter of how bad I was going to say it. As soon as my feet hit the floor and weight went on my back, I'd go, my back. And I start thinking about something after years of this. Our, our wreck was in 16, 17, something like that. And I'd never been the same. The bishop's never been the same. Two other people that pastor churches today never been the same been a lot of surgeries a lot of stuff happened in all of these lies I thought dad was dead on impact His head snapped back hit the back glass he just fell over unconscious in the floor I felt this tingle go through me I thought I was paralyzed I've never been the same since why the Lord hasn't just healed me I don't know maybe it's because I get up every morning and say something about it That been too terribly long ago, and we, we, we've been 20-plus years past that. I'd get up every morning and go, oh. And it was, it, was, it was not because it was a habit. It was because when my feet hit the ground, my back was hurting. It would be, oh. In that second step, I could kind of tell. Usually there's some popping and some grinding and moving in my back. And still happens every time I move. Sometimes when I'm preaching, it goes click, 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 click. And the enemy's just trying to remind me. Bones just sitting there. I didn't complain about it. I realized something. If I start getting up in the morning being thankful that I can stand, 
If I start getting up in the morning and say, hey, darling, let's go have some coffee. That's our time. First thing in the morning, last thing at night together. We have a cup of coffee and one right before bedtime. It's, it's, it's our time. We, we, we get to enjoy that. We, we, don't, we don't mess around with nothing else and nobody else. That's, that, that, those are our moments unless there's an emergency. And I could sit over coffee and say, boy, my, my whole hip is numb and my leg's tingling. And today it's more on the left side than the right. And, and oh, it's hurting all the way through to my chest. And a lot of days it is. But here's what I learned, Brother David. If I quit looking at the walls of my disability and give God the glory for my ability come on I wish somebody right now in the name of the Lord Jesus I'm giving you a Holy Ghost authority to shout about something right now and quit come on I dare you to quit talking about it and stand and declare the goodness of the Lord over that situation Get out of your pew, lift up your voice, and declare the goodness of God. Come on, we're on the seventh lap, on the seventh day. It's time to shout about it. Come on, singers, I wish some of you would get out of your pew and just start lifting up your voice in victory. I thank you, Lord. I may feel it hurting, but I thank you that I'm going to get it. I'm going to have my miracle. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to wake up without pain someday. Even if it's in glory, the day is coming. I'll wake up without a sorrow, without a threat, without a hurt, without a confusion. Come on, singers, as quick as you can. Somebody hear me. It's time to shout. You've talked about it long enough. It's time to rejoice. You've prayed for it. You've been anointed with all. You prayed the prayer of faith. Now declare His goodness. Somebody do it with a shout right now. He said with a voice of triumph and a shout of victory. Will my people shout. I don't hear any victory in the house right now. Walls are coming down. Things that hell has built up is collapsing. We're not complaining about it. We're shouting about His goodness. Come on, we ought to just lift up our voice. Don't worry about what they're singing or what they're doing. 